Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday all chipper and ready to talk some USC football with our friend, Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Got a little different setup in my office, that so we're kind of feeling things out. I'm putting some bookshelves in, so I'm kind of changing things up here a little bit in the, the home of the Parastyle Podcast. But we're going to pull, you know, forge on and talk some USC football with Coach Harvey Hyde. We'll try to do a couple more shows this week. If you have any questions for us, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Dot com, or you can call our voicemail line or text our same line at 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. You want to send us a question right from your phone, just send us a text to 424-254-9141. Of course, our, our voicemail, you can do that as well. If you want to subscribe, we love that on iTunes, iTunes.com slash Parastyle Podcast. Lots of other ways too. We're on Stitcher, Audio Boom. Um, all the different podcast apps. Uh, you can check us out there. If you see any that we're not on, just email me, podcast at uscfootball.com, and I'll make sure the Parastyle Podcast is there on your favorite podcasting app. All right, well, let's bring in the coach. How are you doing, coach? What is up? I'm doing okay, buddy. I was on secret assignment last week. It was Memorial Day weekend, and uh, I was out investigating a lot of things so we could talk about it. But, again, I look forward to doing this uh, podcast with you, as I do every week. And it's great to be back. It is. It's great to be back. We have, you know, a week off there. We, I think we only did one show last week, one with Dan. Still uh, fixing up the, the, the bathrooms. We're hopefully going to wrap that up in the next week or two. But, uh, yeah, I'm li- real happy with the remodel, but we just got to get it all done. Um, so I got the contractors there in the house right now. So uh, I'm going to have to head, <laughs> head back there right after the show. But we will. We will get this done and uh, keep moving forward. And this is the first week of summer workouts at USC. Um, so that'll be starting up. We'll be able to check out one PRP or player run practice per week. They've uh, restricted us a little bit more now. So we'll check it out um, and see them on Thursday. So we'll have some updates for you next week on what we saw, some of the new faces that'll be around the program. You know, We saw the five early enrollees in the spring. But more and more players are starting to show up now, and there'll be more at the end of the month. So we'll uh, we'll get a full report from everything we see down there on the USC campus. And before we jump into the topics this week, wanted to thank our sponsor for a long time, Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com, or you can give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for any sort of sporting event, or theater, plays, things like that, you can go to sctickets.com, and they will hook you up. Tell Curtis that Coach Harvey Hyde sent you. Um, well, Coach, uh, I was at the Elite 11 quarterback finals, the camp, over the weekend. So this is part of that Nike camp, the opening series, where they invited, I think it was 24 or 25 of the best quarterbacks in the country that they saw at all the regional uh, opening camps. They used to call them Nike camps. Now they're like the opening regionals. They bring them all together at Redondo Beach, which is like a mile from my house, and go check them out. So I checked them out on Friday and Saturday. Then they whittle it down. They actually had workouts on Sunday, too, that our guy shotgun was at. And they whittle them down 
to uh, a top 11 or top 12, actually. And then they send those guys to the opening. I think there's, yeah, a couple, there's, I think there's six quarterback, there are 12 quarterbacks and there's six seven on seven teams at the opening finals, which is up in Beaverton, Oregon at the, on the Nike campus. And they'll have two quarterbacks per team and then they'll go out and, uh, you know, do all the seven on seven drills and stuff. And they'll have competitions and, you know, name the top elite 11 quarterback and all that kind of fun stuff. But it's a, it's a, you know, it's a nice, it's been a, you know, part of this recruiting process for a while and they've refined it and changed some things. And, uh, it's a nice chance to see all these quarterbacks from all over the country, which, you know, really close to my house, which is kind of cool. But for USC fans in particular, uh, the number two ranked quarterback in the country, according to scout.com is Matt Corral, who was at Oaks Christian, who's now transferred to Long Beach Poly. Um, he is part of the Elite 11, was in the, you know, the finals group and was named as of this morning as one of the finalists. So he's one of the top 12, you know, one of the Elite 11, uh, quarterbacks. Um, kind of an athletic kid. Um, got, you know, really strong arm, got to see him a lot. We put up a lot of footage. You can kind of judge for yourself. Uh, pretty much every throw he made on Friday and Saturday, we have up on the site already. And then his stuff from Sunday, will get up there pretty soon. And we've shot him a lot, uh, in the past. So a lot of footage up on uscfootball.com of USC's next, you know, potentially next great, uh, quarterback recruit. But first I wanted to ask you, coach, you know, what you've seen, I don't know how much you've seen of him, what you think, but, the main topic is about quarterback recruiting because, you know, Sam Darnold's a young kid. He could, you know, potentially leave after, after this year. They got Matt Fink and Jack Sears already. Jack Sears, you know, incoming freshman. You're talking about Matt Corral. And they, you know, there's always like a new five-star quarterback, especially at a place like USC coming into the system and how you kind of manage that from the recruiting aspect. And, uh, you know, people are always like, well, is this guy going to transfer? What's going to happen here? Uh, it's just kind of a, a very interesting time with quarterback recruiting where players don't seem as likely to want to stick around if they're not going to end up being the guy? Well, first of all, uh, in recruiting, uh, you don't recruit a quarterback unless you feel he can be the guy. At least I wouldn't. And as a quarterback, you're always aware of who's at the university. And you've been in all these camps and you watch them all play, and I don't think you'd go to that university unless you thought you were better than them. And you could beat them out. I don't see any purpose to go thinking, well, I'll be a good backup for four years and whatever. So you have to have the self-confidence of an individual like Max Corral. He knows Sears is there. He knows Fink's there. He knows Sam Darnold's there. And uh, he's willing to take on the challenge. And he's a solid commit to USC. So, you know, it doesn't make any difference on what I think or the scouts think that are out there as far as who's 1, 2, 3, 4, 11, or whatever. Because he, they made the decision that he's the guy. It's all the gurus out there that rank him. I don't know what, what purpose it does, except for a kid to go out there and wear out his arm and be taught about 15 or 16 different techniques that he might never use at USC. So it's just a more of a confusing thing, I think. I think it's more for the people who are running the camps and the valuation and the publicities and the marketing and the money you make and all of the above for this purpose. Because most of the guys out there that are at this level of uh, quarterbacking, they've already made up their mind and where they're going to school. And the only way you can improve yourself is uh, uh, be great or maybe even go down. And when I saw Max on uh, the video you oh, put Matt. up, I haven't seen Sundays. Co- Coach, it's Matt, well, Matt Corral. Matt, I'm sorry, what no, did I call okay. him? Max, that's okay. We had a Max Brown right. before. Well, he knows who Corral. I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. 
Matt, what, I'm glad you corrected me too. So all you guys out there can't say that idiot. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, when I when I saw on the video, I, I was impressed. But yet, you know, after someone saying he's the best quarterback ever, and uh, he will come in and be better than Sam Darnold, you know, that's pretty strong. I'm not going to mention the person that said that, but you know, first of all, <laughs> to be better than Sam Tarnell, I'll tell you, you got to be pretty good and better uh, than that. Uh, you got some some uh, playing to do yourself before you even compared with him. So these guys make all these comments, and you know they all talk about all the great players they've coached and they've developed, and and all this and that. They don't talk about the ones that haven't made it, and 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 this and that. But uh, I think he's a great athlete because he he can play. He's a winner. He's not afraid to co- of competition. I think he can maybe run. A little better than Sam. Can he uh, be an overall quarterback better than Sam? I don't know. How can you be any better? Sam finds the open receiver anywhere, flushed out of the pocket. He's he's just a great leader. Everything's perfect about him. So uh, to find someone uh, immediately to replace Sam Darnold, that's not going to happen. So you might as well figure that out now, everyone. It's going to take a period of time to be able to find a replacement for a person such as that, no matter how long he stays or whenever he goes out. So, I, you know, I think these camps are great. Then you talk about you're going to Portland. But how great are they? I mean, don't these kids ever have a break? My goodness. Then they go start high school practice, and they do this, and they do that. And then they have visitations at their colleges. Then they have their official visits. And, oh, man, it goes on and on and on. I've told you that, Ryan. Aren't you tired of going and watching these camps? If they got to go and play in them. Yeah. I mean, there's got to Huh? I get tired like filming them on the sidelines and these guys are out there working out and stuff. I, I get it. I mean, there's, I, I mean, it's nice for us. Like it's good opportunities for us to kind of see and, and do more evaluations, but I could see where players get kind of burnt out of the whole thing. Yeah. You know, valuation, overvaluation. Uh, I was talking with a USC this past week, uh, closely about evaluation. So we both agreed. Uh, you could figure out a football player is a football player, but he can jump on a, jump on upon a, a chair so many times so fast he can vertically jump so high he can do a certain drill uh, uh faster than anybody else does that make him a football player i don't think it makes him a football player i think he maybe is just good and he should be on what is it, american what's that show that's on tv america it was on last night i forget what it is ninjas the ninja warriors whatever yeah. it is american ninja yeah warriors. Yeah, you know, I'm not, that doesn't mean those guys can be football players because they can go and do all those things well. So I think you overvaluate and you overtest, and uh, then you get yourself confused. Like you say, one day one guy looks good, and the next day another guy looks good. Hey, look at a guy and say he can play our offense, he can play our defense, and he's our type of guy. And tell him you don't need to go to these camps. Hey, we've already offered you. Just start working on our stuff. And, uh, we'll be set. But, you know, I guess it's a little ego thing, too, for the kids and to go out and compete. But, uh, as far as having time off and traveling all over, you know, if it was my son, I don't know if I'd let him do it. Well, and it's funny, the, uh, the, there's different kind of seasons for these camps. And now we're starting to get into the college season. And there's new rules, new limitations where colleges, they can only have like 10 days total where coaches are out at camps and sometimes they're for camps with other schools and there's some combinations and stuff. But USC's two bigger camps are called Rising Stars. There'll be one this Sunday, June 11th, and then one a couple weeks after that 
June 25th. So it's another opportunity for these guys to, to come out there. And, and for those coach, it's a little bit different. I mean, you can get evaluated at these, you know, the opening Nike camps and things, but if you're on a college campus, like you say, you want to get a USC scholarship offer, you don't have one yet. Like, likely you want to go camp there so you can actually show the coaches in person. Hey, this is the kind of player I am. I'm good enough to play for you. You should watch what I do. And if you like it, offer me a scholarship. Well, you don't think these coaches know already who can play for them. Just gives them another opportunity to get to know them better and recruit them better as far as their ability. I mean, yeah, it gives them a chance to go against better players and they get to see them and hang out with them and recruit them and do all of the above. But I, I would think that uh, that camp might not be the exact reason why you offer this kid a scholarship possibly could be a part of what you're determining as far as part of the scholarship. But as far as, you know, I mean, this is me, you know, this is me. Uh, Maybe I'm too old school, but I think there's too much evaluation in college. I think there's too much evaluation in the NFL. These kids start with their pro camps when they're juniors, sophomores, all their games are broken down. Pro scouts are at every practice. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And I just think it's a, a little bit of too much as far as uh, the whole package, and uh, I think that it's over overrated. I guess that's the best way of saying it. Well, Coach, one of the things, and, you know, the, some of the coaches we've talked to and just, you know, the people on the recruiting trail, high school coaches, players and stuff, it does, coaches now do seem to put a lot of emphasis on seeing someone in person. So they can watch tape. Um, you know, maybe they've checked out a game uh, from last year. They were on the sidelines and stuff, but to get a player that maybe you're not 100% sure about on your own campus, running through the drills that you designate, the ones that you've seen a whole bunch of other players run through, and you can kind of compare in your own mind, okay, this linebacker, how did he perform in these drills compared to the other 10 or 50 linebackers I've seen before? Um, they do seem to put a lot of uh, emphasis on being able to see those guys in person. Do you think that's something that's different? Like when, when, when you guys are recruiting or do you, do you understand that philosophy? What do you think? No, I, I like that. If that's the only camp the kid's going to go to, maybe one or two of them. I mean, I think that's good. Uh, I wouldn't invite the Michigan staff to be a part of my camp. I'd want to have them uh, all a part of our camp with our staff and uh, be able to do that. I think that'd be great, but not the next day, the kid's somewhere else. The next day, the kid's somewhere else. The next weekend, I mean, it's, it's just too much. The kid has to decide on where he wants to do that and uh, get out and do it. This past weekend, they're having these uh, uh, multi-university type of camps now where there's five or six schools there. They asked me to go out and do a radio show at it and just sort of, you know, get everybody's interest and so on and talk to the coaches and all of that above stuff. I, I did not do it. But, uh, you know, there's so many of these things going on. Then you have camps, too, on your campus where you invite in uh, little kids and teach them the game of, you know, the techniques and so on. And you have lectures by certain people as far as the do's and the don'ts and common sense and all that, too. I think there's a, a, re- a, a good thing for that for kids. And I think that should be a scholarship-free camp for all of those kids to learn the techniques and be around a lot of their idols and maybe even allow your some of your players to coach them so they have an opportunity to meet these kids. But I think, again, uh, you know, it's just what you want to do. It's just, as a coach, you want to be burned out before the season starts. Uh, you want your players burned out before the season starts. 
we're starting practice, what, July 29th? And the national championship game is January the 8th? Hey, that's a long period of time. And then you come back, and, and then you get started in your spring workouts, and then spring practice, and it's the same old, same old thing again. I think there's a period of time when the body needs to recover. The body is growing. The body, the muscles and so on have got to somewhat, you know, you don't get out of shape. You work out and so on. But your mind, your, your whole body is need to, need to sort of recoup, sort of recharge. You heard me talk about that a lot when I was complaining about the early morning practices. As far as uh, I didn't think that made any reason uh, to practice in the morning because your games are in the afternoon or evening. And this is another thing. I think your body needs to recover. I used, uh, used to always say, I want my kids to look forward to the football season. I don't want them to be burnt out before it starts. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, burnout's a real factor. There's been some studies that show, you know, that athletes are having more success when they're not specialized, um, when they get to play other sports and things like that. We've seen guys like Sam Darnold do that, and uh, I think that that's definitely important. I'm curious to see what happens because they are going to start off fall camp earlier. No two days, but it's going to be earlier. There's just less and less time off. And you know, there's, there's good aspects where there's players that the more camps that are out there, the more opportunities they have to get seen that maybe they wouldn't have got a scholarship before because they play for a small school that no one goes to see, but then they, you know, they able to, to impress some, some scouts or coaches somewhere and, and pick up a scholarship. It's nice there, but. The guys that go to every single one of these things that already have all the offers, yeah, is there going to be a burnout factor? So that, that, that'll be interesting to watch. This is something that evolves and changes each and every year. So we'll stay on top of that. But the, on the recruiting aspect, coach, for quarterbacks, uh, when you have a superstar quarterback, uh, people, you know, maybe he's leaving, maybe he's not. We've seen from USC them recruit quarterbacks thinking a player might be leaving, either like a Matt Barkley or, you know, even when Leinart came back. The same thing with Sam Darnold right now. Some people speculate he'll be the first pick in the draft after this season. He could stick around for two more years. Like there's a pretty wide range of what's going on there. We saw it with like Andrew Luck. Um, how do you think that works as far as the quarterback recruiting side and trying to keep all these guys happy? It's a very unique position. You can play five, six, seven wide receivers. You can play multiple running backs. You're usually only playing one quarterback. So if you're not the guy, we saw that with, you know, Max Brown transferring out. He stuck around for a long time expecting to be the guy. And, you know, he had the opportunity for three games and that was it and was going to leave after that. But I think it's a, it's a new kind of world when you're recruiting quarterbacks. And how do you kind of manage that? Well, it's difficult because all these kids want to play and all these kids want an opportunity and they're all thinking about the next level, the NFL. And, you know, Matt Castle is one of those uh, best examples as far as not starting and all of a sudden he's still playing. Uh, except he got injured the other day, but he's still playing in the NFL. So he's had a very successful career. Uh, so kids, as I said earlier, have the confidence they can go to that school and they can play. Now, after a period of time, they know who the best quarterback is. They know if they can play there. They know, okay, Sam Donald's the best quarterback. Now, am I going to be the best of the next three? Am I going to be the guy that's the heir apparent? Am I going to be the guy or I'm going to be sitting around here? And uh, it used to be, yeah, that's the way it is. Or uh, you transfer and you sit out a year. You can't go to the Pac-12 uh, if you transfer. Now you can go anywhere you want if you get your degree. So what you're doing academically is trying to graduate all your kids early so they can go on and get some postgraduate work. So at the same time, what you're doing is getting them ready to transfer to if they can't play. 
at USC. That's just part of the deal. That's the way it is now. Is, uh, you know, people are moving uh, Zaire now. Uh, is leaving uh, Notre Dame and going to Florida, I guess the way I understand it. That's going to happen. And uh, that's what football is today. It's uh, a sad thing to say. It used to be uh, team and me, and now it's more me and team as far as me having the opportunity because uh, I'm not playing because I'm not good enough or I got screwed. So, and parents out there understand this too. When you go to a school such as USC, hey, it's the best of the best, okay? And uh, I know that too. It's a difficult thing for a kid not to play. We've got to hang in there. I've spoken to parents before that are now at USC and starting, and they had called me and talked to me, or I saw them in person, and they asked me, what do you think of my son? Uh, he's really depressed and so on. I said, hey, hang in there. Hang in there because he can play. He's just got to be given his opportunity, uh, and uh, he'll be able to get up there. And this kid got his opportunity, and he's, he's doing very well now. I won't tell you what position or anything else. The kid hung, hung in there and hung in there. He's a leader and, and doing a great job. But there's that transition period of time that you go from a high school star and announcing where you're going on national TV and all of the above to all of a sudden becoming realistic and finding out exactly what's going on. So that's that's the part of it. That's the part of the game. So, uh, you know, and, and it's hard as a coach to recruit these kids thinking that, you know, uh, this kid can play, but if he can't play, really, it's best he does transfer because then you can get another kid, but you've already known or found out he's not the level of quarterback that you can win a national championship with. And now... Schools like USC, Ohio State, Washington, whatever school it might be, Stanford, UCLA. Hey, you got to win the Pac-12, win a national championship, or people aren't very happy. So in a way, it's in the best for the kid and you as far as if the kid can't play to let him go. All right, Coach. Um, we'll keep following the uh, Matt Corral story as he heads up to uh, the opening, which I think is just before July. I think it's the end of June, July 4th weekend, that kind of time. So we'll... We'll be up there covering him and all the other USC prospects that will be up there, too. Um, let's get to the questions. we got a few questions for you. Um, so he said, for Coach Hyde, I keep hearing about Clancy Pendergast's need for trust in his players. Reading between the lines, is there a trust issue with Jack Jones? He's talking about the cornerback, Clayn, uh from Seattle. I don't know if there's a trust issue there. I think uh, Jack uh, isn't afraid to tell you how good he is. And he did that last year as a freshman and so on. Uh, uh, He was going to win the Heisman Trophy. And, you know, that's just a a kid talking that's fired up and and so on. He wants to play. He's a great athlete. I think he'll do a great job and so on. I don't think there's any lack of trust there. I think that he's a great player and he'll play, you know, until you – play on the field and get on the field and know what it's all about and you have the pressures of covering great receivers in the passing games that are out there now and then coming up and putting a hit on a running back, all of a sudden you get real realistic. It's not as easy as what you thought it might be. Now, I I think that uh, Clancy's got trust in his defense and his players or they wouldn't be out there. I don't think I'd ever put a player out there I have no trust in. Why would you do that? Not only are you letting yourself down your home team and the offense or defensive unit or your secondary. I think you got trust with them. They shouldn't be on your football team. It's got to be all, all for one. And uh, if you watch the the Warriors play, tell me, is there any 
anybody on that team that's not sharing the ball or passing it around or uh, not necessarily caring who gets all the points but who wins and loses the game. That's the same type of feeling you have to have in any sport, football included. So, uh, no, I don't see any problem there. I've never heard anything about trust there. It's funny. The, so the trust thing comes up a lot, and I, I think it's sometimes with uh, fans will write us in and, and, you know, USC will release a depth chart, for example. Um, and specifically with Jack Jones, real quick, uh, he's on the field. I don't think there's a trust. He wouldn't be playing as much as he was if there's a, a trust issue there. It's really about the guys that you kind of expected to be a contributor and they're not playing at all. Um, where you look at the depth chart and they'll say, oh, this Joe, Joe Smith is the backup center. So if something happens to Nico Fala, Joe Smith goes in. Well, not necessarily. It's because is Joe Smith like maybe he's the 11th best lineman in the, you know, in the USC coach's eyes. So what they will do in that situation is if something happens to the first string center, if the number two center isn't the next best offensive lineman they think they have, they're probably going to whoever the next best offensive lineman they think they have. He's going in somewhere. Maybe it's a center. Maybe it's another position. Someone moves to center. Um, so it's not necessarily like a, it's just structured that way. Just because you're listed as the backup at this position doesn't mean if the starter goes down, you're the next one in. Now, maybe it's the end of the game and it's a blowout one way or the other. And yeah, okay. You were the next up. You can go in and play. But if it's a, you know, it's, it's a you know critical portion of the game or whatever. It's a tie game, something like that. And someone goes down. It's not necessarily the backup that goes in. The coaches might think someone else is better, or I guess you could say trust another player more to be in there. So they'd rather move the, the depth chart around or move positions around a little bit to get the guy in that they feel is a better player. So maybe I think that's kind of what he's referring to as far as trust goes. Uh, probably he is. And, and I'll tell you, you're exactly right, right? When you, when you say that, you've heard me say this a million times, you got your players on the field. You just can't put the guy in because he's the second player. If you've got a, a great player behind the guard or a tackle that can play center and knows how to play that position, and you've had it, you got to have your best players on the field. This is not a popularity contest. This is not intramurals. This is the difference of winning and losing, and depth charts are out there for a couple of reasons. First of all, to make the kids feel good at their number two center or whatever they might be, and and, and for a lot of reasons. But when it comes game time and playing, hey, you move them around. You got your best five out there at all times as far as on the offensive line or in the secondary or, or uh, all of a sudden Jamal Cook goes from safety to corner uh, in a situation. You're going to have your best guys on the field. So uh, I think that if that's what he was meaning by that, I, I, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have your best personnel on the field the entire time. And uh, it's it just kind of what we've seen from Clancy Pendergast, you know, rotation is just guys that there's guys that just don't get out there much. And, and you know, is it trust no. or whatever? There's a reason why uh, in there's his no, mind. Yeah, you're right, Ryan. Hey, yeah. it's not trust. It's not good enough. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> right now, just not good. And people have to get realistic. Parents would call me up and say, I need to come in and talk to you. And I'd say, what's the reason? Well, my son's not playing enough. i say, come on in. And they'd sit down. And uh, I would just... Fl- Flat, have to be honest with them. You can't lie to parents. I, I'm with your son every single day, and, and let me tell you, sir, your son, I love him. He's a great player, but he's not good enough right now with the current players we have on the field. Now, he'll have his opportunity, and when he does, 
Let him take advantage of it. But because of the way we've evaluated and what we're doing and our responsibility to the team, this is a, a situation he's in. And uh, if you mislead him like, oh, yeah, next week we're going to give him a chance, next week he's going to play. I'll tell you, I have so many parents I talk to that call me up and say, Coach, make sure you watch. He's going to play this week. And on Monday they call me back and said, Coach, you didn't even play. And I said, well, you can't. And I'm not saying this is USC. I'm saying any school. Don't mislead kids and don't mislead parents. You've got to be honest. Sometimes as a football player and sometimes as a football coach, you misevaluate the talent of a player. You cannot be 100% correct that all your four, five, three stars are going to be great players. You are going to make a mistake, and that happens. And when you make that mistake, it's not necessarily the kid's fault. It's the coach's fault, too, and you can't blame the coach. And I have never run off a player when it's been our fault as a uh, a coach and an evaluator when we made the mistake. If the kid wants to leave, I will assist him in every way, but I will never take a scholarship or discourage that kid from not finishing his education at our school. It was not his fault. It was ours as a coaching staff. Um, speaking of rotation, we got a couple of questions from Tarek, and then we'll let you go, Coach. He said, now that there is depth on the defensive line, would you use Steve Sarkeesian's platooning method, considering there will be a lot of talent on this defensive line, and your motto is to get the best players on the field? That's from Tarek. Well, you do what you got to do to win, okay? And there isn't one way of doing it the right way. It's the way that you have to do it to win and be successful. Steve Sarkeesian was that way, and that's what he believes, okay? That's what he did. He lived by it. Clancy Pendergrass, he's got to have his way and understand uh, his coaches watch all their positions while they're playing, and they watch their kids, and they see who's getting tired and who's letting up or who's not pursuing or who's not following through on the rush, or who's just taking two steps and trying to look to see what's going on. That's the position coach's responsibility to evaluate his position and see who's playing 100% all the time, and if that individual is not, get him off the field. If he's just loafing and he's not tired, then you let him know about that. You tell him, son, you're not going to get back on the field unless you give us 100%. Now, if he's gone hard and he deserves a rest, you platoon. You get him off. My feeling is you try to. You try to get your defensive players off the field by stopping the offense and making them punt. And you explain that to the defense that, hey, guys, the quicker we stop them, the quicker you get the rest. And then your offensive team has a chance to score uh, points for us. So, you know, you're going to rotate people in. I don't believe in the unit type of thing. Uh, but I believe in substituting when you need to because someone is not performing at the level of what you expect them to perform, and you're leaving a weak uh, ch uh, link in your chain. Well, Coach, one last topic for you, and uh, this is interesting because expectations for 2017 are extremely high, and we talked about this a little bit before. But he says, you mentioned uh, that USC fans shouldn't be on the playoff or bus train, but is it okay for fans uh, – to set bare minimums, you think, for the season? What do you think? 
Well, I think you could go through the schedule, and I do this, and I'd uh, fib it to you if I don't. When you look at a schedule, say W, L, W, toss-up, win, win, win. I did it as a head football coach. That if I bring my guys, and my guys are better than their guys, whether we're playing on the road or at home or whatever, we should beat these guys. And then there's some that I say, you know, this game is a toss-up game. we got to come up with our maximum effort to win this game. So if you're a football fan out there, look at the schedule of the Trojans and go down to it. Western Michigan, okay, 13-0 and last year. But coming to the Coliseum on Labor Day weekend, uh, what would you give it? An L, a W, a toss-up. Myself, I'll tell you right now, a W. So that game, I expect them to win. And then you go down to the rest of the schedule and you look at uh, Notre Dame and you look at, not Notre Dame, the next game is Stanford and then Texas and eventually Notre Dame and the rest of them. And you put down who should you win and who should you lose to. Nobody you want to lose to. But in a toss-up situation, you could lose. So you've got to come up with a performance to beat these guys. Looking at uh, having a successful season last night, heck yes, or next year. How can you say they shouldn't have a successful season? they got number one quarterback in the nation back, as far as I'm concerned. They've got talented players to replace the players that have gone. They've learned to win. Uh, they've got a great attitude. I love their head football coach and his attitude and other coaches as far as being the type of person that I'd want my kid to play for and kids want to play for. So, yeah, wouldn't we all be disappointed if they didn't win 10 games? I would be. Now, what 10 those are, I'm not sure. I can't tell you that. But I would think they got to win 10 games. And, yes, they, got, they should go to the Pac-12 championship uh, when you look at the Pac-12 South. I look at that and I say, they should win that. I mean, UCLA, yeah, they're a good team, but hey, I got a W next to that. Arizona, Arizona State, I got a W next to that. Colorado, I got a W next to that. Utah, I got a W next to that. Why should I kid you guys? So you can figure out how I figured out for the season and what's expected. So, yeah, I expect them to have a great season, but I don't want to be talking about the Rose Bowl as a football coach. I don't want to be talking about if we don't make the playoffs, we didn't have a successful season. Because you can have a great season and not make the playoffs. But it's something to shoot for. Yeah, I mean, but I, I feel, Coach, if you went through your list and said, if you, you, know, you expect USC to win these games, by the time you get done, you're like, okay, if they do as expected, they should be in the playoffs. Like, I think they're going to be favored in every game this season, most likely. Yeah, they are. Um, so that's why I think it's going to be hard for, I mean, it's going to be a tough season for Clay Helton. I mean, they, there's a lot of upside. There's potential to, you know, you won the Rose Bowl last year after starting one and three. Like, that's not common. Like, that's not going to be easy to repeat anything like that. And it, it's not going to be accepted because this is a team that's expected to do a lot better. Um, but any kind of stumble, there's going to be pressure and criticism. And we saw this with Lane Kiffin, you know, several years back. When they finished ten and two, they had beaten Notre Dame and Oregon on the road. Uh, they weren't allowed, you know, they were under the ban, so they couldn't go to the Pac-12 championship game. But they were a lot of people picked them to be number one in the the, the nation the, the next year, and they ended up seven and six. Something like that happens, and there's going to be a lot of criticism, a lot of pressure on Clay Helton. So it's a different kind of year, I think, Coach, because dealing with expectations is like another layer of coaching that we we haven't really seen. Clay will have to deal with because they didn't have the same kind of expectations last year. Right, and I'll tell you what, uh, but they hadn't learned to win then. They've learned to win now. 
they've learned how to finish now. And I think they really enjoyed last season. They had fun with it, the experiences and so on. And they want to start the season. You know, when they started the season last year, it was a horrible way to start your season. They know that. They don't want to start the season like that anymore. They want to start the season the way they finished. And, you know, I, I talked to the team like that. I remember one year I coached at UNLV in a hell. We were up uh, with, what, a 30-some seconds ago. The bowl committee had already come down and gave us the invitation to go to the California Bowl. Everything was great. Then we were all excited. And with 30 seconds to go, Long Beach State drives down the field and beats us the last play of the game. I remember telling our team in the locker room after the game, this will never happen again. Never. And I said, you guys feel bad about this. You should. And uh, I think right now when you talk to these guys, you ask them, what was the difference of the opening game and the finishing of our last game? What was the difference? How would you like your feeling after Alabama or how would you like your feeling after the Rose Bowl? Well, let's get for that. Let's have that feeling every game next year. And you got to talk to them about that. And you can't be afraid to remind them. And you got to be tough on them, especially when they think they're good. That's when you got to be tougher so that they understand that winning isn't easy to do. Everybody's trying to win. It's not just us. So this is the way I'd approach it. And uh, i got a lot of confidence. I hope that all happens. Yes, well, uh, that's why it's going to be an interesting year. Um, expectations just change the game a little bit. And will, you know, will people sit, you know, sit on their laurels where they expect to win and not put in the same sort of work? Uh, that's all up, going to be up to the coaches to get these players motivated. So I got the feeling that Clay Helton will be able to do it, but that's why we, uh, we do this. We can watch and see what happens. We always think we know what's going to happen and it's always something different. <laughs> so. But that we, that's why we love college football. Uh, all right. Well, that's our, that's our show for today, coach. Thanks again for, uh, coming on and we looking forward to talking to you in the next couple of weeks about some actual football stuff the guys getting out there seeing some freshmen and everything so it'd be fun to talk to you about all that i'm looking forward to it and you guys be safe and out there and enjoy your summer months uh, days and uh i'll talk to you next week ryan all right sounds good follow him on twitter at coach harvey hyde you can follow me at inside troy hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the peristyle podcast and we will talk to you next time Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.